Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Well, the University of Oregon held their media today, media day today in Eugene. Dan Lanning, Oregon coach. Fresh off an extension, he's getting $7 million to coach this football season. Got a raise and an extension. He was asked about Colorado leaving the Pac-12. Here's what Dan Lanning said. Not a big reaction. I mean, I'm trying to remember when, what they won to affect this conference. I don't remember. Do you remember them winning anything? I don't remember them winning anything. <laughs> I kind of like it. Ken Go. Sports writer, sports columnist, longtime Oregonian writer joining us now to talk about college athletics. How you doing, Ken? I'm doing great, John. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm just trying to figure out, uh, you know, what's going to happen next. Uh, you and I were texting a little this morning, and I said, you got to come on and talk about it. You know, you hit on something. You were talking about tradition. You were talking about the Saturday football games, the rivalries, and, you know, that's the kind of stuff I grew up on, and we're watching that deep be deprioritized right now in college athletics i'm i'm old right so as i grew up my formative years uh what i loved about college football were, were the crisp saturday afternoons and the, the rivalry games um uh the, the atmosphere of a college football campus on on saturday afternoon and, and none of that seems to matter anymore it's, it's all about uh scramble for money and who's got the the most television sets and and who can control the the most uh you know viewership on on any given saturday and and um money and it, that's all that it, it seems to matter and and all those things that you know uh oregon washington or i grew up in colorado and the, the colorado nebraska game was was always huge in uh colorado and now uh, they never play nebraska's ventured off to the big 10 and and gone from a college football powerhouse to sort of a doormat the Colorado defection to the Big 12, you know, it bothered me because I want conferences to have, you know, geography to them. But I also looked at Colorado and thought, gosh, maybe they just identified as a Big 12 conference member that was stuck in the Pac-12 all along. What did you make of that? Yeah, you know, I, I never thought Colorado was a good fit for the Pac-12. I think uh, the Pac-12 reached out for the the Denver TV market and uh, Colorado was looking at a chance to get in a conference with where they would visit uh, Los Angeles regularly. And, and uh, that would enable their recruiting to be better in Southern California. I don't think either thing really happened. Um, you know, Colorado's move to the PAC 12 happened at just about the same point. They fell off the map athletically from a, a team that really challenged for national championships for a while there to, to an also ran and, um, they weren't ever successfully able to recruit Southern California, uh, I don't think. And then the two Southern California schools bailed. So um, I think uh, they looked and, and said, you know, what are our strengths? What are our, what are our national rivalries? They're, they're not on the West Coast. So um, and, and where's their prime recruiting ground? Well, maybe Texas. So I don't think the, the Pac-12 was a good fit either way anymore. Ken Go with us, longtime sports writer. He's retired now. He's living the good life. Uh, Ken, let me ask you, you know, when you look at where this conference is today, you've covered it for decades and decades. 
Could you have ever foreseen UCLA, USC gone, the conference losing members, potentially like Arizona or Arizona State? You know, it it really is, I think, tomorrow a pretty big day for the conference. But could you have ever foreseen this as you were covering the football and covering the stuff that we all thought mattered? Yeah, well, that's exactly it because all the, the things that mattered for decades don't matter anymore. Um, geography is, is is an afterthought. When when USC and UCLA can leave and go to the, the Big Ten, then geography has nothing to do with anything. And um, the, let's face it, I mean, they were the linchpin of the, of the Pac-12. And with them gone, uh, you know, what is the Pac-12? It's, it's sort of just a – a slightly better Mountain West conference. And, and how are they going to replace those schools? Well, um, probably going to have to dig into the Mountain West, right? So you, you trade UCLA and USC for San Diego State and SMU or Fresno State or Boise State or Colorado State or whatever. I mean, that's not a fair trade. And uh, I think the conference is going to suffer athletically because of it. Ken, uh, is there any going back on this, or do you kind of just look at this as the you know the the deterioration of sports and the prioritization of television that you know coincide? I think we're still in a transition period. I don't know where it's going to end up. I I think at some point um, college football, at, at least at the Division One level and in the power conferences, is just going to have to get real about what it is. It's, it's not a a co-curricular sport that's part of the higher education system. It's a minor league. And um, the sooner they they understand that and come to terms with it and accept it and, and just be what they are, which is professional, then you're going to have all these weird contortions like we're seeing now with all the conference realignment. And, you know, I don't think, um, you know, they, they sort of got to dis- disassociate themselves from the higher education experience, I think. I mean, and, and you know what I I read you know I'm out of it now and I I follow uh, the happenings by by reading you guys uh, um, who are keeping up on it and doing a, a damn good job but but the higher education part is is forgotten I mean that that's not a equation at all in any of the stories you write or, or a very small part of the equation it's it's all about you know value uh, to the to to what to your bottom line you know how, how is this you know to what this uh, what would Oregon bring to the the Big Ten? And it's all it's not about you know their their classroom or their business school or their school of architecture. It's you know uh, wins and losses and flashy uniforms. And, um, so I mean it, it's essentially a minor league now. So let's just you know cut the crap and let's um, uh, stop this nil stuff and and just let's let's pay the players. Let's just come out front. Let's make, make it a employees. professional league, which is what it is. Quit, yeah. quit doing all these weird contortions to try to get around being professional. I've wondered if it did just full boat, open the gates, go professional, how it would stack up given that it would be in competition with something like the NFL for part of the year. Do you think it becomes a you know complementary piece to the NFL game still, or – would people start to view it as an inferior product to the NFL? Well, it is an inferior product to the NFL. I mean, that, that's not why people love it, right? Um, and then, and so what I would think is you got to get back to the, the things that, that made people love the sport originally. You know, people get all jazzed for Texas and Oklahoma or Ohio State and Michigan or um, 
Oregon and Washington, and those are important games, not because they're the best games played, but because of the passion that the fans have and the players have for those games. I'm just wondering if when UCLA is playing Rutgers, if that's going to move the needle, you know, and, and is that going to be enough? Uh, Ken, go. Yeah. Ken, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, I, I think UCLA just has to look at what happened in Nebraska, and Nebraska actually was better athletically, uh, at least in football, than than UCLA is, and now UCLA is going to have all the disadvantages Nebraska had going into the Big Ten and more with the travel component. Ken, uh, Oregon and Oregon State, you you covered them for a whole bunch of years. You've seen these programs grow, and you know, or they they do it different ways. And Oregon State has taken Jonathan Smith in this program to a position where everybody expects them to be a ranked team and compete for a conference championship potentially. We certainly look at Dan Lanning and Oregon and go, hey, they've got the resources. They could compete. What do you make of those two programs and, and where they are and, and you know where they've come from? Yeah, I mean, they're both really good. I, I think you uh, expressed it really well. Um, they, they do it in such dramatically different ways. Uh, Oregon's trying to build top down they they go out and try to find the the best coach money can buy and, and try to give him all the resources he needs um oregon state does it a little differently they're trying to build from the bottom up so they went and found a, a guy that that wasn't necessarily a high profile guy uh outside of the, the pac-12 and particularly outside of the northwest that oregon state knew who jonathan smith was and and he understands where he is and how he has to go about winning. And I think he's done a remarkable job of doing it. So it's it's really two different ways of, of doing the same thing, which is being successful. Ken, uh, you know, you uh, did you get a sense when you covered that guy that he could be a coach? Jonathan Smith, yeah. Yeah. Um, you're talking about a guy that was uh, mediocre at best athletically and yet still was really successful. So, you know, he had something – besides athletic ability to get him where he was. And those are the those traits, those things that made him a good, you know, division one quarterback at, at five ten or whatever he was, are the things that, that are making him a really good head coach now. Ken, I appreciate your expertise and your time. Love hearing your voice, my friend. Thanks for uh, for joining us. Yeah, I'm always glad to talk to you, John. Take care. Keep up the good All right. work. All right. There he is, Ken Go, longtime sports writer. He's talking about the loss of nostalgia, the fact that the things that he loved about the college game were those Saturday afternoon kickoffs and the regional rivalries. There is a loss that we have all experienced, I think, since hearing about USC and UCLA leaving to the Big Ten Conference, certainly now Colorado going, and a big decision for Arizona on the horizon is the Pac-12 will present numbers to the presidents tomorrow. Uh, you know, a term sheet from... Commissioner George Kyofkoff in front of his his chancellors and his presidents. Uh, you know, I told you to brace for a lot of hysteria, uh, a lot of hand-wringing in the next 24 to 48 hours. Uh, you know, there is a special meeting that is on the agenda for the Arizona University of Arizona Board of Regents. Um, I'm told by one source it has nothing to do with sports. But, uh, you know, I believe that when I see it. You know, like with Colorado saying to to the faces of the rest of the Pac-12, hey, we are, we're in this. We're with you. There's solidarity. Oh, wait a minute. We're gone. <laughs> you know, like that's the world we're living in. Everybody's a pirate. Leave it here. You got the BFT statewide.
Well, we had Camp Exceptional last week, summer camp, uh, the annual summer camp for typical kids and special needs kids that uh, the BFT Foundation supports. And, uh, Stephen, your kids were out there running around. My kids were out there running around, a whole bunch of volunteers. But how about the uh, Portland State football team in particular volunteering every day, sending team leaders out there, just crushing it? Oh, they were awesome. And, yeah, my kids are out there. My littlest, Hudson, he, he struggled a little bit the first day. And then, uh, he, you know, he found a uh, a camp counselor named Ronan who plays at Portland State, Port- Ronan Gay, and he uh, kind of hung to him. And, you know, he was holding his hand. My wife got some cute pictures of that. And, he, you know, they were awesome. You know, to, to, to give your time for that kind of thing and watch all the kids have fun, get along with each other, just playing, playing, doing sports, doing activities. It's just a lot of fun in the sun. And, I, I mean, it was just uh, – it was cool to see as a father to see just such a cool event that gets kids out there and active and having fun. So it was, it was a really good time. And, you know, look, look, I think anytime you can humanize a college football player, it's a win. And, and for the Portland State kids, like Bruce Barnum has, you know, said, look, our guys want to be part of this. And, you know, the University of Portland men's basketball team has come out and Portland State's men's basketball team has come out. But to see that football team out there, Year after year, uh, you know, just supporting, hanging out, being uh, a positive part of the community is really cool. They're going to play at Oregon in their season opener. And I know that that is a tall order. And my my hope for Portland State in that, in that game is that they don't get a bunch of guys hurt because those payday games sometimes result in that. Because the big opportunity for Portland State comes in week two. The Vikings go to Wyoming in week two. That might be one they could get. Like, they go to Wyoming. They've got a good quarterback. They've got some depth. If they don't get all beat up in the opener, it's possible they could be one and one heading to week three. And then if you look around the Big Sky, look, I hung out at the Big Sky Conference Media Day and uh, got to know a lot of the players and coaches. And as I looked around, one of the things that jumped out at me was that there's a tremendous amount of turnover right now in the Big Sky. It's a really unusual year. Five new head coaches among the 12 conference members. So Bruce Barnum is the longest tenured coach in the Big Sky Conference, eight seasons. Now, Montana and Montana State are always going to be good, but Sacramento State's got a new coaching staff. You have a brand-new coaching staff at Cal Poly. you got a new coaching staff at Idaho State. Uh, I'm starting to look around and go, you know what? Like, this might be a year where you could get behind Portland State, and certainly they deserve some attention. And when you look at their schedule, I'll just point out, you know, the first time they play a home game is in week three. If they're one and one heading to week three, it might be worth checking out. And they open the Big Sky Conference on September 23rd at home against Cal Poly. So, you know, there's a couple of home dates early on in Portland State's schedule where I hope people give them some love, show up for them, give them an opportunity to uh, demonstrate that they're, uh, that they're worth a damn. Because I think those kids for Portland State did a big thing last week in showing up for a bunch of kids at a summer camp, and uh, I don't think those kids will ever forget it. No, and to see, to see those guys, you know, football guys, especially, and basketball guys as well, like they're just so big and tall, and they seem larger than life, right? Like that's the thing is – you know, these athletes seem larger than life, especially these kids. And, you know, like yeah. I know my oldest son, he was just so excited when he was you know, around the University of Portland basketball players because he loves basketball. He's into the Blazers right now. 
he couldn't believe that the University of Portland was at there and he was going to play with them. Like it's just that's it, cool. Yeah, it's something he's going to remember. So yeah, I mean, big shout out to all those kids, all the counselors, but especially those athletes because you know they have so much going on and it, it is hard. You know, you got to work out, you got to you know practice, you got to study. But they went out and they helped the kids. Man, there's nothing better than that. I think the uh, the football players in particular came to life on about Wednesday because Wednesday was football day at the camp, and it was the players teaching skills that they know. You know, they were teaching kids how to backpedal and break on the ball. They were teaching kids how to break down and, you know, not make a tackle but pull a flag. They were playing flag football. They were teaching kids pursuit, why it's important for all 11 players on the field to pursue. And it was kind of fun to see that and then see them play games. And and for people who don't know, the Camp Exceptional is, you know, it's got kids that are typical kids who are in groups and teams alongside kids who have challenges. And so you might get, um, you know, a sight-impaired child who is next to um, a, a young person who has uh, Asperger's or is on the spectrum. You might find uh, a intellectual disability. You might, you know, you just find a range of, of kids who are facing challenges. And aren't we all? Aren't we all facing challenges? So it's really neat to kind of see the kids come together and compete together and then the Portland State football players, you layer that onto it, and they're out there just bringing all kinds of energy and expertise and firing the kids up, and, you know, they take care of business. And it's just a lot of fun to see that. So congrats to them. And it's, it's what we up. talk about, the best part of sports, right? You know, we talk about media rights, but this was just about activity, having fun, playing games. Like, it's just the pure joy of sports. And you see just, you know, the, the youth come out and these kids, these college kids that are playing college football, you know, college basketball, they're getting scholarship, they're getting their school paid for, but the kid comes out in them and then they get excited about it because they're teaching these other kids. So it's just a great time all around. Adam Silver sending a memo out involving Damian Lillard. It becomes the subject of today's big splash. This is the one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look, look, look at it. Swear. Down there. Well, the NBA League office is uh, weighing in on the stalemate between the Blazers and Damian Lillard. Memos circulated on Friday to all 30 franchises saying that any player or agent who makes public comments about an unwillingness to fully perform the services called for under his player contract in the event of a trade could be subject to discipline. J.J. Redick broke it down. There was some news over the weekend. Apparently, Adam Silver uh, sent a memo to all 30 teams in the league outlining the situation involving Damian Lillard, um, a warning to Lillard and his agent. Um, and just, I, I think the gist of it is essentially reassuring other teams besides the Miami Heat that, yes, in fact, if you trade for Damian Lillard, we have been told that Damian Lillard plans to honor the obligations and perform the services of his contract. That's JJ Redick. Did Aaron Goodwin mess this up? I suspected for a while that in the end, Lillard could end up in a Blazers uniform to start the season. He certainly could if the Blazers don't make a deal because his trade value in the market was absolutely affected by the actions of his agent. And see, Damian Lillard's in a tricky spot. Why? Because he wants to be the good guy. He doesn't want to be the bad guy. He doesn't want to be the one that says, I want out. I won't play. So he sent his agent to do his bidding. And his agent apparently went around behind the scenes and made it clear that Miami was the only place he would go. Adrian Wojnarowski, 
weighing in on why the market for Lillard is slow. It has simply been the idea, I think for a lot of teams, his age and the idea of paying him over $60 million mm. uh, at 35 and 36 years old the last two years of his deal. You know, so certainly Miami remains a team, I think, most motivated that has enough assets to eventually perhaps outbid the market. Uh, the problem is, listen, Portland looks at what Miami has doesn't love it and keeps hoping something better is going to come along. You get into the dog days of summer uh, as July turns to August. Lots of GMs, team presidents, owners who are involved in these conversations. They're going on vacation. Teams aren't engaged. There are no deadlines looming. And that certainly has slowed up this process. Miami's not going to bid against itself and keep upping its offer when it doesn't think Portland necessarily has anything comparable that's why this is dragging out and why it may continue to drag out the next real deadline is the start of training camp right. in late september that's certainly going to be a moment of truth for the portland organization do they want to bring lillard back uh into camp with all of this swirling around or do they at that point take the best offer they can get out there I think they are willing to go into camp, and I, in fact, expect that. Do you think they go to camp with Lillard in uniform? I think he starts the season as a blazer. That was a question for you, Stephen. Oh, well, yeah, we ran out of time. Sorry. <laughs> we'll talk about it uh, in the second hour of the show. Plus, we interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Baltimore. Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but... If you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.